Welcome back to the Eat Scripture Podcast. We're Eric and Gina Robinson, and we are going through First Kings. Yes. We've made it to chapter 17, but Very before we get exciting. into that, um, we've been kind of going through all these kings, mm-hmm. and they've just been the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, mm-hmm. and the author of this book has been telling us about, he's been judging these kings by their faithfulness to God's covenant. Right. And so um, we've come to kind of, I think, what seems to me like a little bit of a change in the narrative. A little bit. Uh, Not overall, but it seems like it's slowing down now. And it's telling us about some peripheral people that are around yeah. The king. Yeah. Uh, not, people around the king. Yeah. Not the king, the royal house per se, but yeah. Right. People are connected to what's going on in the royal house. but Because we haven't had a lot of extra information yes. about anybody yet. Yes. Uh, too much, at least not in the last few chapters. And so. But obviously in the author's mind, it's central. Based on what's happening. It'll on just the, say the uh, king of Judah reigned for 41 years. Yep. Or whatever, but it doesn't tell us many details about that. Just a right. few to let us know the faithful parts and the unfaithful parts. Right. And, you know. Yep. But it seems like here we're getting a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, of a zoomed in view on what's happening on what's with happening Ahab. In Ahab's reign, yes, during Ahab's reign. And then we'll get a little further than that. Uh, in a little rain, a little after that too, and kind of more, a little more specifics, uh, what's going on there. But so we're covering about 40 years here is what we're going to wind up covering over many chapters, which we're not used to because that's not what we've just seen. I guess that's what I mean about the, the change in the narrative. It Uh, just seems like we're really slowing down and zeroing in on what's happening Mm -hmm. during this next King. Yes. Uh, King Ahab. Yep. Which we talked about at the end of the uh, chapter 16. Yes. That he did all these evil things, mm-hmm. served um, the Baals and built Asherahs. And, mm-hmm. um, and one of the worst things it seems like is that he married Jezebel. Yes. Horrible thing. So, um, and, and he was king, uh, uh, his, her dad was the king of Sidon. Mm hmm. Well, he wasn't the king of Sidon. I don't, I don't know if he was the king of Sidon. It's uh, I'm, I'm taking a quick look at that. Oh, yes. Um, he was, okay. his name was Ethbaal. Yeah, it does. Yes, it king does. of the Sidonians. You're right. Absolutely. Just looking for that to make sure. But yeah. So that's Sidon. Mm-hmm. Yes. I just wanted to make sure because that's going to come up in this chapter. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So I guess we can go ahead and just start Um in this chapter. Yes, I think so. We'll just start chapter one. Really now we're finding out about Elijah mm-hmm. and what it means. Yeah, for the introduction of Elijah. Yeah. Who is not a king, but a prophet. <laughs> By any means, yes. And uh so we haven't really heard about a, a big time prophet. We've heard of some unnamed prophets, yeah. A cu- um couple of guys have shown up already unnamed uh, or at least one of them even, you know, named, but um but nobody that we get this kind of information about and and very detailed so yeah 17 one we'll read through verse seven to start i think all right now elijah the tishbite of tishbe in gilead said to ahab as the lord the god of israel lives 
before whom I stand. There shall be neither dew nor rain these days, except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, in, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Mm, no rain. No rain, which leads to naturally no growth of anything, so that leads to famine. So you've got no water, no bread, no food um and so drought and famine is what you naturally have whenever you have drought it leads to famine and uh and so that's what we're seeing here in amos 8 11 uh god talks about how famine can be equated to a loss of his word as well um that his word is kept back from a place and that can be a famine a famine Which is of his the worst word. famine yes it would be the worst of famines exactly and so by making that link i think in in amos I think when we see famines in the Old Testament, we are often seeing that there is a drought of God's word. I say in the right. Bible, I should say in the Bible, famines in the Bible often mean a famine of God's word mm -hmm. too. We have to look closely and look at what's happening. Oh, okay. Well, they, they, they're really needing God's word is what they're really needing. They need to realize that. And that's certainly the case here. They haven't realized how much they need the word. So now there's an actual famine in the land. And God removes his word, which is what he's doing in Elijah. Elijah is the one who represents giving the word of God. Mm -hmm. And he says, okay, Elijah, we're going east of the Jordan. I'm taking my word out of, officially out of mm -hmm. the promised land because people don't listen to it anyway. Uh, and so that's where he's going. But while he's in this wilderness, and going east, which is out of the water, yep, going east, that's never good. Not going into good Gentile, really ugly Gentile territory. But even while he's here, he'll be fed, protected, given, yes, given all that he needs by God, provided for by God. Through the ravens, water and food he will have in this wilderness yet at a time when water is so hard to come by and when uh, water and food are both scarce, Elijah will be provided for every day. Yeah. Imagine the ravens bringing you food. And yep, yep. Um. Go ahead. Yeah, I was uh, just going to say, I do think we just have this introduction to Elijah right here. Elijah, whose name means my God is Yahweh. He is representing faithful Israel for us. Mm -hmm. He is representing faithful Israel in a sense, the ones who stay close to God, who are provided for by God even during times of drought, even during times of famine, and who stay close to God, he and, and are kept in wilderness moments, wilderness mm -hmm. life. Um, he is living out Israel's faithful, Israel's experience throughout the ages, if you will, for those who stay close right. to God. I mean, there's this allusion to uh, the people of Israel when mm -hmm. they left Egypt, living in the wilderness and being fed mm -hmm. meat and bread from heaven. Mm -hmm. Uh, God yeah. providing for them. So that's definitely, you're supposed to get that picture, I think, from this too. Yeah. If that's what God does for his faithful people. Oh, yes. And um, oh, yes. I think, I, think right. I wanted to say something about drought because mm -hmm. this really struck me this picture. Mm -hmm. 
because we live in an area mm -hmm. where we're often in a drought. Yeah, drought is not uncommon. And today, just being an example, you may hear our fireplace rattling. Um, <laughs> we're having horrible wind and dirt. The sky is brown. Yep. And if you live around here, <laughs> you know what we're talking about. Yep. And um, it's just miserable. It's yes. miserable. You go outside and dirt is hitting your face. It hurts. Yes. And um, you get... Anyway. Uh, yeah, so it does feel... <laughs> It but it just makes me, the picture mm -hmm. is really helpful to me of that's how we are spiritually mm -hmm. if we don't have the word. Yes. And I don't want that. Right. We do not want this. Um, I don't want that to be my spiritual state. Mm -hmm. What I'm looking outside and seeing right now, I sure don't want that to be I my hate to think that was my insides. State. Yeah, exactly. And mm. so I just, I had to say that because... As you were talking about it, and I was looking outside, I thought, what yeah. an awful picture. Truly so, awful. Yeah. There was no rain in the land. Yeah. So. Now, a tishbite is what it says in 17.1, Elisha the tishbite. That, that would literally mean something like Elisha the returnee. We don't know where he's returning from, but the interesting thing is that'll become spiritually apropos for us when we get to chapter 18. And Elijah shows up again. He's been gone forever. And Ahab's like, oh, you're back, you troubler of Israel. He's so yes. upset. Um, and so that's right. He's going to return. He's not gone forever. He is going to return. Uh, and, and so it's just interesting that his name might mean something like that. Number two, he was told in verse three to hide himself by the brook Cherith, which literally means something like off the be off the mainstream, off the beaten path, or even a community of misfits. Go hide yourself among the misfits, mm -hmm. uh, Elijah, somewhere by them, somewhere over in that area. Uh, and so it that's, all sounds like yeah, sounds somebody else very, uh, heard of. Yes, <laughs> very apropos. When Jesus comes, he doesn't doesn't come to the to the elite and the yes, cool people. That's right. Comes among the misfits. Right. Yeah, that's right. that's right. So I think we're seeing some of that in here. This faithful Israel. He's the faithful Israel, uh, and. Uh, very much a Christ type, uh, as we see, but living living out Israel's faithful experience of the past, always protected and being cared for by God. Okay, so let's go on to chapter 17, verse 8 through 16. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the, the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make you something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household uh, 
Let's see. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Ooh, man, great story. Um, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and tells him to go, he tells him to go to Zarephath, God does, which belongs to Sidon, which you pointed out something earlier yeah. already. Yeah, that's I mean, that's apparently where Jezebel's from. Uh-huh, exactly. So strange of all the places that he could go and yeah. find a, a little haven for him to I would think be protected he would not want rested. to go there. I you would, would think, think he'd so? be kicking it. At the goats, yeah, like Jonah. Exactly. <laughs> of all the places for God to give him rest, a little bit of rest mm-hmm. and a little bit of respite, it's going to be inside and really the, the center of this worship that Jezebel brought with her. But that's sure enough, that's exactly where God's going to take him, right into the belly of the beast and then give him a very safe place to dwell for a while. Uh, and he's commanded this widow there to feed him, he says. He tells Elijah, there's a widow there that I've commanded to feed you. Right. Which, first he's had ravens feeding him. Yep. And now a widow. Yep. Now, Zarephath literally means blast furnace or workshop for refining metal. Same thing. Mm. Workshop for refining metal. Well, that's what God, God does to his people. Right. His people who he's going to keep faithful to him. He refines them. He makes yeah. them ready again. Jeremiah 9, 7, Daniel eleven thirty five, Zechariah 13, 9, Malachi 3, 3, Isaiah 1, 25. These are all places where God uses that very illustration about what he, what he does to his people to prepare them to truly be his people um, or to get the bad out of them mm-hmm. and so forth. So, so here, here is not Elijah. That's right. To exactly. Be, uh, to grow in the Lord. Ex- being refined in man, it is sometimes so painful. Man, exactly. It's not all just happiness, peaches, you and God, just having a great time all the time, uh, feeling good about everything. There's a lot of refining that goes on. This is not easy getting the dross out of us. And there's a lot of it unfortunately. Uh, and so God is, God is sending Elijah. So Elijah still needs more refining. Yeah. And I think he does represent faithful Israel who's mm-hmm. who wants to stay faithful, but still needs, you know, God's hand is on him to make them rightly into the people he can use. Uh, and so as faithful as Elijah is, God, he's, he's representing this people who need God's hand on them. Uh, and they are faithful and they are in a, the state of a widow. They've they're in a widow's state and they still have, but they have this son who is alive with them and they feel like they're just about to die. Right. Like they're just on the edge of death. She just thinks she's about to make them their last meal. It. Yep. Making our last meal. Then we're dead. Mm-hmm. God has sent his word to them in Elijah. As we've already talked about, Elijah represents God's word. God's word has come to them. And if they, treat the word properly and put his word first, then they too, they will live. Yeah, they, they will, will live. Yes. And we see that there. So it's not, exactly it's not like a, they don't have like a table full of food, but the fact is they never they run out. Enough. They are kept. Yes. They're kept well. It's again, like the fine, manna. Everything. Yes. Like manna. It's a manna existence. Right. It's yeah, exactly right. This Every very much sounds like need. a manna existence. Every day what you need. It'll never run out. You'll never, you, it may not be a whole bunch in, the, in that jar, but it's never going to run out. There will always be what you need. 
until they have oil enough to supply them. Oil, which throughout the throughout the Bible has um, connection to the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's really hardly any question about that. First Samuel sixteen thirteen, Isaiah sixty one one through four, First uh, John two twenty seven. Uh, which can be compared to John fourteen twenty six. So you know, uh, um, very much, and the, the idea that these people of God who feel like the widow who's about to die and wondering where their husband is, where's her husband, where's her husband? They have this son. They're just trying to hope. They're just hoping they can keep him alive uh, too with them. But now it looks like they're both about to die mm-hmm. at the same time. But if but if the widow will put the word first. Uh, then and Elijah represents the word because safe. he's the mouthpiece for God. That's exactly it. Uh, yeah. That's exactly it. Yes. Thank you for saying that. So he, he is. Come he carries God's word. He's right. a, a physical representative of God's word walking around. That's what the prophet right. was. And uh, it seems pretty audacious of him to say, hey, bring me some, you know. Right. We water. see this bring as being, ooh, food, I don't think I could say Your that. last food. In fact, yeah. since you're going to make your last meal, great, but go ahead and make me some first. Yes. Give me and my And then share. y'all can have some. Yeah. Um, but she does it. Yeah, she does because it. Because somehow she knows this is the right thing to do. Which the Lord did say, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So maybe in some way she had, she, she had prepared. received this thought already somehow. And so when he said it, she was like, well, I guess this is what I, that meant whenever I heard that or, you know, however she thought. So, yeah, so she does it. And sure enough, it does wind up keeping her and her son alive. Right. They're well. So, so we, we. And they're, they're all being able to eat. And yes. The, the flour and the oil has not run out. That's so right. they're, yeah. they're going to just keep eating. Yeah. Exactly. The and and I you know again we have another I think connection to the word in the flour which is bread you know meal mm-hmm. uh, wheat which is grown up and then the oil being the Holy Spirit we have the word and the Spirit do not leave this woman's house mm-hmm. this faithful faithful Israel's house um, and and she's kept through it as long as she puts the word first puts God's prophet the word first. And my so, guess is. It never looked like any more than that handful and a little bit of mm-hmm. handful of flour and a little bit of oil. Mm-hmm. It probably always looked like that. Yeah, I think so. I it think it probably always did to your like eye. It. Yeah, it just, just kept it just looking just never like all that. went away. Yeah, it was just always there. The little bit she needed next was always there. Yep, I think so, which is really an awesome picture. I mean, it may have made just scared a lot at first, but I would think after a while you're like, okay, well. It'll just keep being yeah. there, I guess. So Pretty you cool. start, yeah, start trusting. It's again, in it. like the manna. Yep, what you need when you need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll go from there, and we'll talk a little more about this son and what why this son is so important as we get into verse seventeen through the end of the chapter. Let's read that next. Okay. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow? 
with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the Lord life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Okay. Now we need to talk about this son some. Now we are specifically focused on the son. Just like when, or just like it looked, everything was going to be fine. Yeah, they finally have food. And Yep. Yep. God is obviously caring for them. They have food. They trust, starting to trust the word of the Lord uh, that he has said to them. And all is well, seems like, or certainly will be headed in the right direction. Then it has, it says it very quickly here, that the son of the woman became ill and his illness was so severe, there was no breath left in him. In other words, illness got so bad, he died. Right. Right there in one verse, it just encompasses it all. Bam. He's just sick and then he's dead. That's it. It's a quick turn of events. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so it, it is kind of striking to us because we thought too, reading it, that everything was going to be okay now. And all of a sudden it's not. This son, we need to point out, is if we're talking about faithful Israel, who's a widow now. Remember, she's been, she has been widowed. God has put away his bride, as it were. God has put away his bride, uh, and yet he's going to call her back to him. Um, he keeps her safe, he, but he refines her in that place of refining uh, where she lives here, Zarephath. He's refining her, which throughout those things we looked at already, those passages we looked at already, have to do with God refining his people in captivity, during captivity. That's what we were talking about before. And so if they're in this place and this is where they're being refined, of course, they want to they, they most want to make sure that their son stays alive. Now, who would the son of Israel be? Well, I think in this context, mm -hmm. uh, especially, mm -hmm. it would be the king. Man, I think you're right on that. I think you're absolutely right. And, and that's, this is what we've hear, been hearing ever since Samuel, whenever God approached David and said, your son will be my son. Your son I'll take on your son as right. my son. So the, the king's line are like the sons of God. So he is the most important son that Israel has. The most important son that Israel has. And so they want to keep that son alive. That's what their, their idea is mm -hmm. to keep their king in place. Can this even be done? What about during the time of refining? What about during this time? Will they be able to keep their son alive? And now it looks like maybe they can. It looks like maybe they will have succeeded. But we're going to come to a time here where it looks just when it looked like everything would be okay and the son would be alive and the widow would be alive and everybody would be kept by God. Now it looks like, nope, son dies. That's it. Well, what happens then? Elijah comes and takes the child up into an upper room, lays him on his own bed. I like that this is so real because mm -hmm. she, I can imagine her saying, well, it's because you're here. Yeah. Look what you've brought to us. Yeah. I thought you were good news, but That's apparently right. not because my son is dead. Yeah. 
good way to put it. I thought you were good news, but you are bad news. Uh, and so Elijah has come, the man of God has come. And when it looked like everything would be well, now it's not well at all. And she blames Elijah, of course, um, as the man of God who's come now and brought misery to her mm -hmm. instead of help that she thought she was getting. Uh, and so he's going to take the son, though, take him to the upper chamber, lay him on his own bed. So the very bed that Elijah lays on is the same bed the son lays on. And then he'll stretch himself upon the child three times, verse 21. Stretched himself upon. So they're kind of, he's equating himself with mm -hmm. the son, Elijah is. It's just as one of the few stories I remember from my childhood. That <laughs> yeah. uh, I just remember being a little bit weirded out weirded by out the story. By it. Yeah, it's like, so oh, strange. Is yeah. He laying on him, he's going to crush him. I mean, <laughs> I just yeah. could not get it in my yep. little head. But. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says, and he revived and he came back to life. Mm -hmm. What that means, 2022, 20, came back to life three times, came back to life. Well, we know a person who's in the grave for three days and come back to, mm -hmm. comes back to life. This is, is we're getting a microcosm of Israel's Maybe history in this yes. chapter as Elijah right. has come on the scene has experienced what Israel's experienced, what faithful Israel has experienced. We see that faithful Israel also through the picture of the widow. And now the son, who we think uh, may have survived, but just when it looked like everything was going to be okay, and he, had, he would survive, is now dead. All hope is lost. And all hope is lost. Until Elijah stretches three times on him, and he is brought back to life which I think is a clear picture of the three days and the son, the king, the true king, the great king, the great son of David is now revived after his death and, and is resurrected. And now and the this, widow looks at him and says, surely you are the man of God. This is how what she you're saying is true. Yes. She believes him because of this more than, oh, this is what brings her close to God mm -hmm. truly. Like never before, she's brought by the revival of the sun after a three-time period of being equated with the word who's walked in uh, to her life. So this is where we, we wind up. So we get a, this chapter, again, just a microcosm of Israel's history. And now that we've reached the point of death and resurrection, which is how we in this little section, now chapter 18 and 19 are going to zoom in very closely on the death and resurrection experience itself. On the cross, the crucifixion, and then the actual resurrection. We're going to see those coming to life for us in mm -hmm. the next two chapters. It's going to be amazing. But this, this chapter was to give us the history leading up to the moment and now the moment of. And then if you want to see just a little picture of Jesus uh, living this out mm -hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. uh, in Luke chapter 7, mm -hmm. verses That's 11 right. through 17, mm -hmm. when he raises a widow's son. Yes, a widow's son. And, uh, and then puts and her delivers, back. And it says these the, almost the same words. Uh, it says, gave him to his mother. Yeah. Delivers him back into her arms. Actually, one of the Greek words mm -hmm. is the same from the Greek Septuagint of this passage. So, 
And then the people around say, a great prophet has arisen among us. Yes, which sounds like her words. Yes. Uh, not unlike at all her words in the last verse of 17. So it's a very interesting, feels like he's doing that. I wonder if he was thinking about Elijah. I think there's no question that he was, I think he was absolutely thinking about Elijah. And I think that's one of the passages that one of several that teach us to look at Elijah as a Christ figure, as a Christ. Oh, wait, I need to go back and read Elijah again. If I want to really dig into Jesus. All these just little hints. Yes. So anyway, I just wanted to add that in. Beautiful. I'm so glad you did. That's one of our mm, great picture. Great picture. Well, great that you guys are listening. I'm so glad you're with us. Thanks for getting stuff in, uh, out of this. Hopefully you did. And, um, just read your Old Testaments with an eye toward Jesus, because that's what they're pointing to. That's what he wants us to do. So we will continue to interpret these Elijah and Elisha, Elisha passages typologically as we walk through here with you. So be join us next time, just a few days, and we will jump into chapter 18 and strangely enough, get a very close up look at the cross. Uh, come back and we will talk then, but I hope you have a great few days until then. God bless everyone.